0: Hey, listeners, it's Gavi here, and I've got some good news for you and some bad news for you. The good news is that Sadie and I have recorded a full recap of Welcome to Plathville seasons one through four. The bad news is that this ended up being about three and a half hours of raw audio, and I couldn't get the edit done in time to meet our production deadline. So what we've decided to do is split the episode in half. Today, you'll get our recap of Seasons 1 through 3, and on Wednesday, you'll get our full recap of Season 4, including Sadie's live reaction to the events of the Season 4 finale. If you just can't wait that long, the full, uncut, and extended version is currently available for our patrons. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll join us again on Wednesday. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden podcast. My name is Gavriel Cohen. My friends call me Gavi. Let's be friends. Call me Gavi. And I am here with my BFF, IFB, cult survivor, Sadie Carpenter. How you doing today, Sadie?
1: I am just doing fantastic.
0: I'm feeling great, too. You know what I did this morning?
1: What'd you do this morning?
0: This morning... I watched the season four finale of Welcome to Plathville. Oh, boy. Yes. I
1: did not watch it. Uh, I have, uh, but I have not seen the finale. So I'm going to just let you tell me about it. And it's going to be fun.
0: (laughs) Well, it's going to be a great time. Um, And I know that this is an episode that our audience is really excited for. Because we're not just talking about the end of season four. But we needed to, to... have finished watching or, or have season four be done and have us like know about what happens at the end of it before we could do this episode, which is the second part of our welcome yeah, welcome to Plathville podcast episode. So last time we did kind of like an intro saying like, this is the, um, the background info, all their religious information. And today we're going to actually talk about more of the things that go on in the show. And we're going to be covering all four seasons of it. That's yeah, exciting.
1: I just I had no idea. I, I didn't know anything about this show. When we started looking into the show to do these episodes, I had the plots and the baits completely confused. I I had no clue. So we've gone back and made kind of a rundown of what... The events of the entire show so far have been because I get the feeling that we will probably be right back in these chairs when season five drops, whenever that oh, is Oh,
0: absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like,
1: I now I get why so many of our audience members, especially Dinah Housefire, we love you, Dinah, were just begging us to do these episodes.
0: Yeah. Cause this isn't just a show about like, Like the Duggars is just like, let's pretend absolutely nothing is wrong, even though everything is on fire, where Plathville is like, everything is on fire and we need to talk about everything that's going on all the time, even when it's uncomfortable and even when it's an inappropriate time to be having this conversation. That's what they do.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's like the opposite of the Duggars whole everything is fine and wonderful thing. Yeah.
0: Oh man, uh, and it's
1: a lot more entertaining.
0: <laughs> it is a lot more entertaining. Um, but we're, so we're going to talk about all of that stuff. But before we get into that. Just gotta say, the Leaving Eden podcast is the podcast about my BFF and co-host Sadie Carpenter's life in and escape from the independent fundamental Baptist cult, which is the cult in which she was raised. We talk about this cult. We talk about other cults. We talk about religion. We talk about fundamentalism. We talk about the real and present threat that cults and cult ideologies pose to society as a whole. And it is our goal to promote freedom of mind, freedom of thought, and freedom of religion. So if you like our show, if you are a fan of our show, a couple of things you can do. You can join our Patreon. That is patreon.com slash leaving Eden podcast, where you will get access to extended versions of most of our episodes, as well as some bonus content, including. What does an actual cult survivor think about The Handmaid's Tale? Very interesting. Highly recommend you read it. It's awesome. Check it out. You can also join our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash Eden Exodus. You can join our subreddit, which is reddit.com slash r slash Eden Exodus. You can check out our merch, which is in our Threadless shop. Link in the description. I just remembered one more thing. We're in the middle of our how to series.
1: Oh, right, 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 right. Thank you for remembering.
0: Uh, We just released uh, last week, our dating episode. So how to learn how to like go out, date people, try to get into a relationship. If you're coming out of fundamentalism, if you are a person who has come out of fundamentalism and you maybe want to uh, have, there's something that you want to know how to do or, or figure out how to do. Send us your questions in an email, and if we get enough of these questions, we might do uh, like an answer, a question and answer episode on how to do all of these things. We like doing Q and A episodes, but we also like doing Q and A episodes with like a specific point or a specific theme. And so after we do like our episode about drinking that we have coming next week, and we have an episode coming out about dancing, we have an episode coming out about buying clothes, those are all going to be fun. But after we do all those, we'd love to answer your questions. So send us your questions in an email at leaving Edenpod at gmail.com. That's the best way to reach us. Please email it to us. Cause if you send it to our Instagram or our Facebook or, or post it in the group, it's harder for us to keep track of that stuff.
1: Yeah. At this point we get so many messages from y'all and we love them. Um, I generally am able to read every message, even if I'm not able to respond to every message. Uh, but it's really hard to compile like audience participation episodes from so many different sources.
0: Anyway, it's time for me to thank the Faith Promise Missions tier patrons and our I Gave It All tier patron, Melissa. Thank you so much, Melissa, for being an I Gave It All tier patron. Wow, you're the greatest. You're up there with, what did I say? I, I, Albert Einstein. You're as cool as Albert Einstein. You're also as cool as uh, Betty White. Yes. High praise. Dolly Parton too. You're you're as cool as 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 all three of those people. Um. But our faith promise missions to your patrons. Your names are Alex Todd, Anisha Patel, Brittany, Brooke Tolly, Carrie R, Crystal Patterson, Eleanor Donahue, Emery Fairlosser, the OG Emery Fairlosser, Hannah Ross, Hope Norum, Jen Kaharski. Jessica Tambo, Kay Terwee, Catherine Schneider, Kathleen Moncrief, Kristen Marie, Linda Morgan, Lindsay Goss, Lorena Watson, Michaela Upright, Madeline Cusick, Mary Martin, a.k.a. Uh, the actress who played Peter Pan on Broadway, Megan Arnt, Mike Smith, Miranda Day, Rachel Bernadowitz, Rebecca Hoyt, uh, Reverend Robert Stutz, Sarah Reesey, Shane Horton, Stephanie Johnson, Susie, Tiffany Enderby, Walnut, Son of Walnut, and as always, Wes the Cowboy. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much to all of our Faith Promise Missions tier patrons, to our wonderful I Gave It All tier patron and to all of the patrons on patreon who get our episodes a day early uncensored ad free and uh with a lot of extra rabbit trails
0: (laughs) yeah um believe me there's going to be some extra ones today because this we're talking
1: reality TV. (laughs) there are are extra rabbit trails on every episode
0: (laughs) oh yeah that's true
1: this is maybe this is why we don't record in the same space because if we did we'd put out five-hour podcast episodes
0: Uh, yeah we'd be the the uh the Joe Rogan Experience. No, we wouldn't. We'd be better than that. So um, I want
1: to I want to give y'all a quick general trigger warning before we get started here. In general, we talk about a lot of potentially triggering topics on this show, and we can't predict what's going to be a trigger for everybody. But some of the things that come up a lot are uh, suicide and mental health, racism, misogyny, PTSD, PTSD symptoms, child abuse, mental, physical, and sexual abuse and spiritual abuse, including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, we'll mention at least a couple of those topics, but we are not going to give you graphic details unless those details are highly relevant to the story that we're telling in that particular episode. We do our best to give the audience a heads up before we go into detail on any of those topics, and if something else comes up that we think, eh, that might trigger some people, we'll let you know before we say it so you can always skip 30 seconds or a minute ahead or whatever if you need to in this particular episode we're very briefly going to mention the death of a young child uh we talked about some details on that in the last episode we won't go back into them on this episode there's no reason to we will go into a lot more depth on this episode about parental abuse and alienation parents using younger children as weapons against older children. we're going to talk about the whole rebellious children concept. This episode is going to be pretty heavy on the early deconstruction struggles as well.
0: Cool cool, cool.
1: let's uh let's get started. I just want to run through uh, without getting too deep, I want to run through the story arcs from season one through three of the show and I'm sure we'll find rabbit trails he- here and there where I can maybe explain some of these beliefs to you.
0: That sounds great. Where do you want to start?
1: So I want to do this chronologically. So we're going to look at season one. There was tension in the Plath family from the very first episodes. The series started as a look at our family, our kids are so sheltered thing. That was the that was the hook for the series originally. It wasn't look how religious we are, it was look how sheltered our kids are from the outside world. But even in the first episodes, we start to get the picture that there's a lot of parentification going on here. The children do all the cooking and the cleaning, especially the girl children, of course. And there's early tension about jobs around the house, like whose job is going to be what. I guess they weren't quite as, uh, I guess they weren't quite as organized with the Duggars and their jurisdictions.
0: Were they tracking people's periods on a big calendar in the kitchen?
1: Not that we see on TV, that I know of.
0: Uh, that would be horrifying.
1: That would be the Duggars. Then again, the Duggars managed to mostly keep that off camera as well, so who knows. So even in the first couple episodes, we see Lydia taking on a lot of parentification. The Duggars did this by having the bunny teams and having older girls specifically assigned younger babies to take care of what we see more with the plath family is less of buddy system and more just lydia is managing the whole household by the time she's 15
0: i'm thinking back to the episode we did a couple weeks ago um when you were talking about how even thinking about complaining is a sin Mm, yes so like because lydia does complain about this stuff like, do the Plaths not have this teaching, or are they have they just chosen to ignore it?
1: I'm, I would have to speculate to answer that question. My guess is more that complaining in Kim's hearing upsets her, and this family revolves around not upsetting Kim. But they are associated with the Pearls, so they definitely could have the teaching about complaining being a sin. I just I think it's more Kim centered than God centered.
0: And things making Kim mad and and Kim being unable to deal with that is basically the central tension of every conflict in this show.
1: Yes. It's – there's minor tension between the kids, specifically between Lydia and Mariah in early episodes, and then the major tension, though, is Kim not allowing them to do things. And we very quickly get introduced to this ongoing conflict between Kim and Olivia, the daughter-in-law.
0: So, her son is married. Ethan is married Mm -hmm. to Olivia, uh, as we talked about last time. And and they're living out from under their parents' roof. So, how does Kim – have the because this is like this we we think they're kind of IBLP adjacent. How well,
1: we got a le- we got a message from a listener about that actually,
0: really yeah.
1: So a listener wrote in. Who hold on one second? Okay, so Hannah wrote in, and Hannah says she grew up in the same area, the same geographical area as the Plaths, and uh was in church with them. So Hannah says that they were not IBLP. Hannah says that the plaths were Vision Forum.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And I was surprised by that because I thought that Vision Vision Forum, like I said in the last plath episode that we did, was all about like classical education and being super well educated. And the the thing is that Vision Forum philosophically is very much about having a good education, but they don't enforce it at all. Like the IBLP is a more, especially the ATI. If you are in ATI, you've got to promise to live up to certain standards and there's a family coordinator who comes around and checks that you are living up to certain standards. The Vision Forum does not have that. So you can subscribe to their ideas, but nobody is going to come check on you and making sure that you're doing the things that you say you're doing. Uh, Hannah also said that a lot of the Plath's children, quote unquote, school time was spent on practicing music for the family band thing.
0: Interesting. Okay, but uh, like also, if we're talking about because we didn't think they were straight IFB because they don't dress like they're straight IFB, and they right. don't they don't do have the same sort of headship and patriarchy rules as the Duggars do, and they're in the IBLP. So
1: right, so it is. It is still extremely misogynist and patriarchal. And Vision Forum, if you remember the episode that we did about them, Vision Forum is extremely patriarchal. It is not as chain of commandy as what people who are IBLP or strict IFB practice.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Because that's what I was wondering about. Because I was thinking, you know, Ethan and Olivia, they're living out from under their parents' roof. That would mean that Ethan is no longer under the headship of his father, which would mean that the parents wouldn't have the authority or th- in the same way as they would if he was an unmarried man.
1: Right. But in the Vision Forum biblical patriarchy thing, your dad has authority over you for your whole life or until as long as your dad is alive. Okay. So Kim is still acting out of line as a mother by exerting that kind of influence over her grown married children's lives, but it's not as far out of line as it would be if Michelle Duggar did it. Because okay. IBLP is all about the hierarchy and the chain of command. Vision Forum is about there's one guy in charge and it's the dad.
0: So if you want to know more about Vision Forum and you're you're wondering about that, we have an episode that we came out with uh, called Vision Forum. I think I it was the episode called the Jason Forum Due to the uh, uh, horrifying sexual abuses that Doug Phillips committed against the nanny that they I, had hired for their family.
1: So the there's an overarching theme of the show. I think early on, Kim is still trying to exert a lot of influence over Ethan's life. And Olivia is trying to exert equally as much influence in the opposite direction. And this really shouldn't be a struggle. Like, a person's wife should have more influence over them than their mother, probably. Especially when what the mother is trying to do is like, don't drink soda, don't have a beer, don't do anything. So Olivia pushes Ethan to try new things a lot. She gives him soda for the first time, gives him alcohol for the first time. Later on, we're going to talk about how far she pushes him, which maybe sometimes she pushes him too far. I don't know. But Ethan does Uh, show a a clear desire to deconstruct, he does really want to get out from under under his mom's thumb and be his own person.
0: My read on this is that Kim is Cersei Lannister, Ethan is uh, King Tommen, and Olivia is Marjorie Tyrell. Cool. Sadie has not seen Game (laughs) of Thrones. She knows none of that. She doesn't understand any of that, but it's fine.
1: So we, we find out in interviews that Olivia has done and in things that her siblings have posted on social media that her family was within the IBLP. Uh, They were attending no greater joy events, which is the pearls thing. Uh, And that's how she met Ethan was at a Michael and Debbie Pearl family camp. So these people are, uh, they have some fundamentalist street cred for sure. Olivia, according to Olivia, She saw the double standard as they started getting her family started getting more and more into fundamentalism and getting stricter. And she pushed back on that. I think we talked about this in the previous episode. Her siblings accounts differ, but also Mm -hmm. that makes sense because the way that two different siblings perceived their family's exit from a cult being different. That's not surprising to me. Like, I don't, I don't know if this, you know, necessarily is a someone's lying situation. I think this is a, you know, you perceived it differently. But Olivia does have experience dealing with this exact situation in her, in her own family.
0: Yeah. and, and Olivia, by the time she's getting married to Ethan, we, we think, I don't know, the, some new information in the finale came to light, Um. Which I don't know if we want to talk about that now or if we want to talk about that later. I think we got to save uh, it. Okay. Well, because she's she's done some deconstruction by the time she's meeting Ethan. Um, so I'm wondering how the Plaths are. Uh, I, I, originally, I was, I was wondering how the Plaths were uh, uh, allowing their son to get married to her if they see the direction that this train is headed. Um, if it's maybe in a more lenient direction than being a more conservative direction like Kim and Barry would like.
1: I think one piece of the puzzle is that fundamentalist parents don't get to fully control who their sons marry. It depends on exactly what part of fundamentalism you're in, but fundamentalist parents in general can just strong-arm their daughters into choosing a certain man to marry or calling off a wedding if they're engaged to a guy that they don't like. They just don't have that kind of power over the boys. They can tell their son to marry a certain person or not marry a certain person. Theoretically, if that boy is fully bought into fundamentalism then he would feel that it was his duty to listen to his parents and do what they tell him but they don't have the cultural power to force a boy to marry or not marry someone it is they fundamentalist parents it's fully acceptable to literally imprison their daughter i don't think it happens very often but it does absolutely happen. Once a kid is 18, so once so fundamentalist parents can actually, literally, physically imprison children under 18. And this is a real thing that does happen. I don't. It It's not very common, in my opinion. Um, but it is absolutely real happening, guarantee there is somebody right now who is literally being held captive by their fundamentalist parents. Once a kid has turned 18, they lose that power. Fundamentalist parents lose that power over... AMAB children. They retain that power over AFAB children until they get married. So culturally, as far as like within their culture, it is acceptable to physically imprison or psychologically force an AFAB child to do things until that child marries an AMAB person. Because there is that, that cultural acceptance of ownership of your daughter. So, Kim feels like Ethan is doing behaviors that she does not like. But Kim tends to blame it on Olivia. So, both Ethan and Olivia are on her list, but Olivia is more so than Ethan. Pretty quickly in the first season, Kim starts to restrict Ethan and Olivia's access to Ethan's brothers and sisters who are still living at home.
0: And, I th- like, this is really... The, like the blame it on Olivia, that is so typical of everything I've seen about fundamentalism and dumb is that like, cause if a man, you know, we, we see this with abusers. Like if a man makes a bad decision, then, well, it's his, his wife's fault or something. She, she, uh, there must mm-hmm. be something wrong in their, in their house that makes this man turn to sin. But if he makes a good decision, it's because he's a great man and he's a godly man and there was nothing, you know, she didn't have anything to do with that.
1: Right. So we're dealing with that baked-in misogyny of fundamentalism on several levels. But also in the real world, parents tend to blame their child's spouse if the child makes a decision that they don't like. So this is like kind of normal out in the real world as well. So I think this blaming Olivia for everything Ethan is doing is coming from multiple sources.
0: I, mean, I get the feeling that so many fundy parents, like that. that— a lot of them are just like hardcore helicopter parents who figured out that there's a way to, to like religiously justify constantly meddling. And hmm. constant, like you being controlling. So, you know, they just want to be controlling and they're just going to they found a religious justification for it. And so that's why they became fundies.
1: You're not wrong. I absolutely think that that is a thing. Also, though, if you think back to Heather Heath's book and content that we've done about the IBLP, a lot of IBLP parents in particular get pulled into the IBLP because they had a traumatic childhood and they think that they are protecting their children and giving them something way better than what they had. Cults and cult like belief thrive by tapping into people's real and valid fears and then offering. A made-up cult solution.
0: So yeah, that's something I'd really like to do an episode on in the future. We that would be a great. You topic. can
1: definitely add that to our list.
0: Yeah, if I haven't already, I'm sure I've. Uh, yeah.
1: So in in Plothville, Kim pretty quickly starts revoking Ethan and Olivia's access to the younger children, who at this point include Micah and Mariah. Micah and Mariah at this point are older teenagers, and they're already starting to show signs of independence. Unlike most fundy parents, Kim doesn't, like, straight up forbid them from doing what they want to do. She more psychologically tries to trick them out of doing what they want to do, which is arguably more cruel. Mm. Micah wants to be a model. Mariah wants to be a singer. Kim pushes back on them following their dreams. But she doesn't put her foot down and say, you can't do it. She just sets them up for failure. Mariah is also starting to dress in a more revealing way, and Kim doesn't seem to be holding on too tightly to forcing her into Kim's dress standards, um, which is interesting.
0: Well, last week we talked about that because Kim doesn't really totally follow the...
1: Kim doesn't follow her standards. own dress standards. <laughs> no. So there's there's more wiggle room for Mariah to begin with than like I ever had.
0: This is what the IFB would be pointing at. They would be saying, well, if you slip up, then your kids will slip up twice as much.
1: Right. True. So, but Kim, is, Mariah is definitely pushing the limits and going past the limits of what her mom would approve of clothing wise. Um, it is interesting to me that Kim is allowing that because I think I feel like the IFB mothers that I knew would have just been burning the short shorts in a backyard bonfire. Um. <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, you laugh but there are IFB parents really love to burn their children's possessions. Oof. Really? Oh oh yeah.
0: Like did did you ever have anything burned? Did your parents Not ever burn- against
1: no. my will. No, I burned things of my own because I got convicted about them.
0: The the uh the Wizard of Oz lunchbox and the
1: I don't think I burned that. I think I just threw it out. That was it's probably a good thing I didn't burn it because it was <laughs> old and probably made of toxic (laughs) material but kim seems to be doing this thing and maybe you've seen someone do this where she will act like she's supportive but it's in a very backhanded way so an example of this and an and an example of kim's extreme control is that she allows mariah to apply for colleges and she even shocks mariah by taking her to do a campus tour at a college that she's interested in.
0: Well, that's nice.
1: Yeah, that's- okay, yeah, that sounds nice on the surface, but parents don't allow their children who are soon-to-be adults to apply for colleges. Did you have to ask your parents if you could apply for college?
0: No, it was just expected that I would be going to college, and if I didn't, then I would be a failure.
1: Right. Um so- <laughs> it shouldn't be a question if Uh, your child who is almost an adult can do what they are going to do and it shouldn't be a surprise that a parent would support their child by taking them on a campus tour like this is not this this there's something wrong here
0: it's like passing an extremely low bar
1: right yeah but the backhanded part is that Mariah hasn't been given a decent education, as we talked about two weeks ago. So even though Kim is allowing her to apply for college, we can surmise that Kim knows that Mariah is never going to get accepted into college. Oh, there that it is.
0: Is, <laughs> That's so insidious. And, and she was she was applying to well, she was applying to like uh, uh, like an actual university, not like one of these Bible colleges.
1: She was checking out Stetson University. It is a real college in Central Florida, real as opposed to like unaccredited Bible college.
0: No, I've looked them up. They're like, they're a private university and they're Southern Baptist affiliated, which like, it's totally fine because, you know, I'm sure that there are Southern Baptist uh, uh, kids, you know, they get kids applying to that school who are like homeschooled all the time. I'm sure it's a regular occurrence that they look at somebody who has, very mediocre homeschooling education. And they're like, okay, well, we can accept this kid, but maybe we have to get them up to speed a little bit before, you know.
1: I'm just, I'm really not that optimistic. I showed up at Pensacola Christian College with just, I had, did not have the skills that I needed to keep up with something even resembling real college coursework. And it was really difficult. There weren't programs Or anything much to help me. I just kind of had to figure it out. And Pensacola Christian has a huge homeschool population.
0: And like, I'm sure that the Plaths are not going to, to, like, no daughter of theirs is going to go to a state school or like a community college or so. Like, that wouldn't have been a viable option, which is a bummer because like community college is like a much more accessible way for somebody, maybe with her, uh, mediocre homeschooling education to catch up on a lot of topics that she would have missed out on. So uh, that's frustrating.
1: It it is frustrating because these kids were so isolated and so poorly educated that I worry that they would never be able to catch up. And, And that's not an insult to their intelligence because the grown Plath children have different talents and are legitimately good at different things. But as far as formal education or book smarts, I feel like they're too old and it's gone on too long for them to truly catch up.
0: I think I think that it's never too late to learn. Granted, like it, it, Mariah did not know what the Declaration of Independence was like. She she had like right. basic parts of like history that we think everybody knows that she didn't know that. So she would really be starting at the very, very, very beginning, which which is going to be rough. Um
1: yeah but- I agree that it's never too late to learn I just I think there is a window of time where it's convenient for people to get into academics like pure academics like higher level math historical literature that balancing equations and chemistry and that like that kind of book knowledge and if you miss that window it's not that your brain couldn't handle it it's that most people who are over around 18 or 19 they have to work they have family obligations they don't have time there is a window of time where you can sit and study things And if you miss that window, either at the end of your high school time or the end of your college time, most people don't have time to sit down and study academic topics that don't pertain to their daily lives.
0: Yeah. I mean, you could make a hobby out of it, but but
1: most people just in my experience, most people just won't. And that's not, I mean, I don't blame them. (laughs) I don't blame them. Working, working full time or parenting full time or anything else that people do is difficult. And Netflix exists, and I don't sit around and study academic topics very often either.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, because pure academics isn't really applicable to the real world anyway. It's it's not like it's something that you're going to use professionally, probably, anyway. Yeah,
1: unless it is your profession. After Mariah's college visit, Micah and Mariah are not banned from seeing Ethan and Olivia. All the other children from Isaac on down are banned from seeing Ethan and Olivia. So even after Ethan and Olivia were married and Hosanna had gotten married and moved away, the kids were still actively doing music together, which I think is amazing and wonderful. But now that Ethan and Olivia are getting a little too far away from Kim and Barry's preferences, they won't let Isaac participate in music with his older siblings. And at this point Mm. in the storyline, Isaac is like, a uh, late teen, so Isaac is maybe fifteen. Because Isaac is no, he's not quite that old. Because Isaac is five years younger than Micah.
0: Okay, and Micah's twenty-one now. Yeah, so Mike is means... like eight.
1: Mike is like seventeen, eighteen in this season. So Isaac is like twelve or thirteen. So this yeah. is going to be one of the main conflicts of this series. And I want to point out that cutting off older siblings' access to younger siblings if they step out of line is a huge fundy tactic. We've had listeners in our Facebook group and listeners email me and message me on socials who are currently going through something exactly like this.
0: It's horrific.
1: It is awful. It is awful. This is one of the most obvious ways and one of the most painful ways that fundamentalism rips families apart. This is mentioned in detail in the SM Davis, like, Buy My DVDs But Not My CDs To Fix Your Child series. This is just a well-known fundy tactic, and it's heartbreaking.
0: It's really really atrocious. So these
1: this is a that's the basics of season 1. I think we want to move on to season 2. Yeah. Okay, so in, let's do it. By season 2 of Plathville, Ethan and Olivia's marriage is starting to suffer uh or maybe we're seeing cracks that were already there. <laughs> anyway, Ethan has a good heart, but he also has the emotional capacity of a 5-year-old. Mm. A juicy tidbit we learned a little bit about plath sex ed which is apparently zero uh ethan really yeah.
0: oh yeah. god oh god i remember this part I, and ethan I, decides
1: to talk about it on live t- or on national tv i
0: i think i like memory bleached myself after watching this clip it was
1: so <laughs> ethan tells the camera Again, I do not know why. Ethan tells the camera that he masturbated for the first time at around age thirteen, and then he was terrified because he did not understand what had happened to his body. Like he thought yeah. that he had broke, like broken something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I feel if so you've bad you. Broken for
0: him. something that's not supposed to happen.
1: <laughs> well, no, he just like he did not like he he did not. I'm trying to keep this PG. Um. I don't know why. <laughs> no, he, he did not understand, like, the physical reactions that his body did, because yeah. he kind of never been told about any of this. He also, he did not know what a period was until he got married. After living in a house with mostly girls and women his entire life, he had overheard his mom and sisters talking about bleeding, and he thought they were all just getting injured for several days per month and they needed really large band-aids to put on these injuries.
0: Like, uh, what, injured doing farm work?
1: I don't know.
0: This is atrocious. Th- like, <laughs> imagine oh, imagine getting married to a man who does not know what a period is, and you literally have to teach your literal husband what a period is. Holy shit
1: I don't know who I feel oh. worse for, Ethan or Olivia. Oh. I still don't know... Uh, all the details about what curriculum oh, wow. Kim used to homeschool, although Hannah told us that they used Saxon math uh, and McGuffey readers for reading and grammar. I don't know what biology <laughs> curriculum they used, if any, but I can make some pretty good assumptions about the biology lessons being non-existent
2: And mm-hmm. this
1: dynamic. Of Ethan knowing nothing and Olivia having to teach him everything applies to a lot of situations in this show. I think it's fair to criticize Olivia for pushing him too fast sometimes. But I also imagine that this dynamic got real old real quick for her. And it's hard to blame her for being impatient.
0: Did Olivia know exactly how little Ethan understood when they got married?
1: My guess is that maybe she did, but she has done a lot of deconstruction since then. And it's not as acceptable to her now as it was when they got married.
0: God, this clip was it was so brutal. It was like like,
1: he he is so emotionally unregulated. Like, I really like him. I know a lot of people hate Ethan. I don't. He is just so childlike and emotionally unregulated that he has no clue that this is not a story that he should be telling on television.
0: You know, I appreciate his honesty. Like, I I appreciate him being, like, fully straightforward saying all of these things because when you see him on camera and Ethan says something, he's not going to, like, bullshit. Ethan's not the kind of guy that's going to, like, bullshit or he's going to, like, beat around the bush about something. He's just going to say whatever it is he's thinking and whatever it is he he wants to do, because he doesn't understand that some things are and aren't socially acceptable.
1: <laughs> but I don't think that's honesty. I think it's honesty if you know the repercussions of what you're saying and you say it anyway. I don't hmm. think he's being honest. I think he's being naive. I guess. Like I think honesty is a choice. And I don't think he has the information or the emotional capacity to make that choice.
0: So on top of teaching her husband sex ed, Olivia has also got to teach her man to manage his own emotions.
1: Right. Because as a funding man, even if he's trying to learn how to manage his own emotions, he has never had to do that for himself before. So he's got a lot to learn and she is just miles ahead of him in deconstruction. And it's really starting to look like a mismatch, even though Again, unpopular Plath opinion. I think there's real love there. I think that she is just getting real tired of his complete naivety.
0: Did did they talk about wanting to, between them, did they talk about wanting to deconstruct before they got married?
1: The before they got married is before the show started. So we don't really have footage of them hmm. talking before they got married. So I don't think we really know.
0: Yeah, because like I've heard of this happening where two people... Will or We hear this from listeners all the time is that two people will realize that getting married to each other and they both like want to get out of fundamentalism. If they get married to each other, then that is their ticket out. And then, you know, that desire can kind of bind them together and keep them together, even if other aspects of the relationship may be a mismatch.
1: That's what I see in Ethan and Olivia's relationship, especially because they're both so young. You know, me as somebody who's a fully five and a half years older than them. (laughs) Than
0: them them now, but not them when they got married.
1: That's true. It's true. Uh, They were both 20 when they got married. So I can't tell you for sure if they got married to be each other's ticket out um, or if they might outgrow each other or kind of deconstruct in different directions. But I definitely think it's possible.
0: It's also a bit of like, who is somebody that my parents will allow me to marry? And then we both get out together, but it can't be somebody who is too out because otherwise that wouldn't fly under the radar.
1: Yeah, it's almost kind of... the 1950s construct of well i you know i'm a gay man and you're a lesbian woman and we're gonna marry each other to put up a social perception that's acceptable and then behind closed doors we'll each kind of do our own thing Hmm. yeah which is which is definitely a thing that happened um probably still does happen in certain areas of the country uh i i do think that even uh, and olivia have real love I just I don't feel 100% confident that they will stay married so Ethan and Olivia in season 2 take a trip to California where Ethan is appalled at the quote smell of drugs that (laughs) apparently blankets the entire state of California from the moment you cross the border Narc. (laughs) foreshadowing (laughs) no
0: like the yeah we're gonna talk about the season 4 finale (laughs) (laughs) when they go to jamaica (laughs) (laughs) foreshadowing oh man
1: (sighs) so lydia has a guy that she is interested in apparently she has had a crush on him for years she prays about it for several weeks in her prayer closet and god informs her that he is not the one We'll get more to sold-out, fundy Lydia's story arc in the next season. But as every season, Lydia spends more time in the prayer closet. Poor girl is spiraling. (laughs) Meanwhile, Mariah has been kicked out of the family home while still underage. She's 17, I believe. And she just got kicked out. Kim just kicked her out of the house. She went to live with Ethan and Olivia for a little while, and then later Mariah and Micah got a house together. Kim thought she was a bad influence on the younger kids and just kicked her own daughter out. It's appalling. Yeah. for some reason, Mariah is still allowed to see her younger siblings, but she can't live in the house. It's a very odd double standard because Mariah is bad enough to kick out but good enough to come visit. But Ethan and Olivia aren't even allowed to see the younger siblings, even though Mariah's behavior is objectively a lot more wild
0: this is this is so atrocious. like Kim didn't even. They, they didn't do any job, like any job whatsoever of preparing their child for life in the real world. And then they're like, well, now you're out on your own. That's
1: like, yeah, it, it is. Yeah. It is a, they thought it was a good idea to completely shelter their children from the real world and then just let them loose in the real world as if that was going to work.
0: Zero support. And I just,
1: remember like in some ways I was that kid. I, um, had very limited access. I had some access to TV movies, the internet, people who were not my siblings uh, or church members. So I had had it a little bit better than the Plath kids did, but I was very unprepared in terms of life skills. Um, I had some basic, here's how to balance a checkbook and here's what a bank account looks like life education, uh, which the Plath kids probably did not. But I Physically navigating the real world was terrifying to me. Like, learning how to ride a city bus was really scary. So I, I identify with this in some ways. I just, I, this is one factor that does make me think that Kim is specifically targeting Olivia because Olivia is the reason that Ethan and Olivia both are prevented from seeing Ethan's younger siblings. And that same treatment is not applied to Mariah.
0: So more foreshadowing for the season 4 finale when we get yep. all of the deets about this. But I want to I want to jump back to something real quick. How common is it for Fundy kids to get completely kicked out of the house?
1: In regular Fundy world, uh it's pretty uncommon because Usually, if you've got a child who you believe is that big of a problem, you have two options. You either use something like the S.M. Davis method to completely lock down control of your child until they turn 18, or option number two, you ship them off to something like Agape boarding school or Hepzibah house, a reform school conversion therapy kind of place. I've had like friends of friends that had both of those options happen to them. I've known people that were completely locked down and every aspect of their life controlled until they were 18 because they were misbehaving, in their parents' opinion. I've known people uh, that were shipped off to IFB reform schools. I've never even heard of anyone being kicked out of the house just get out as a minor.
0: Wow. I mean, I guess...
1: This is pretty... I'm sure it happens, but this is... I perceive it to be a lot more unusual.
0: At least they didn't send Mariah to like one of those uh, boarding schools or one of those reform schools because those are just so horribly abusive. And like that would have been looks-
1: awful. Mariah is Mariah <laughs> is a gift to the world. And it breaks hmm. my heart to think about her getting sent someplace like that.
0: That that would be just that would be horrible. Um I mean, and like, I guess her moving in with Ethan and Olivia, that's not the worst thing in the world for her.
1: Yeah, I'm sure this was emotionally awful for Mariah. And
0: for Ethan and Olivia, that's got to be rough that suddenly you've got to.
1: Yeah, you're a you're a young married couple. And now your sister, your 17 year old sister is just living with you. I don't want to discount how emotionally difficult this surely was for Mariah, but I think it probably worked in her favor in the long run, considering how bad and traumatic her other options were. Mariah, uh, season two, Mariah has a boyfriend, and she has her first kiss on screen. Poor Mariah.
0: God, that's... Poor Mariah,
1: it's just kind of a loose cannon. She's acting exactly like you would expect a 17-year-old with basically no parents to act.
0: She is, like, out-out, too. She's, like, outside of... uh, She's got, like, bubblegum pink hair.
1: There's definitely more to Mariah's story. Mariah does consistently have really cool hair. We'll get to a little bit more of her story down the road.
0: Yeah, like, once people... Especially, like teenagers cuz teenagers like they are going to be rebellious in nature like to begin with you know, just just because that's what they want to do but once they see what a facade the whole thing there is nothing that you can do to put that genie back in the bottle unless you're willing to just like use the most horribly draconian methods to do that mm-hmm. um they're going to end up where they're going to end up and you just have to Like let it happen.
1: Right. Which is why fundamentalism spends so much time trying to make sure that teenagers don't see what a facade the whole thing is. So at the close of season two, uh, Ethan and Olivia, who have been banned from the main house, visit the farm to tell Kim and Barry that they are moving. Actually, they're just moving across town, (laughs) but they won't be living across the street anymore. And it's a big symbolic gesture to be physically even just 10 miles physically removed from the family farm since Ethan and Olivia have both gone no contact with Kim and Barry for most of this season they want to say goodbye to the younger siblings and they want to give the kids a sense of closure kind of not knowing when they will be allowed back in those kids lives if ever which is pretty sad um yeah they've set up this method for how they are going to try to go say goodbye to the kids. And I don't know how produced this was. I don't know if this is just like the very dysfunctional way that this family works or if the producers set this up to create dysfunction. Uh, I lean toward it. This is just the weirdo way that this family interacts with each other. But how they've got it set up is the family farm has a really long driveway. Ethan has parked the car at the end of this long driveway, and he's left Olivia in the car and went up to talk to the parents alone. Ethan asks his parents if the younger kids can walk down the driveway with him to the car to say goodbye to Olivia. And the parents... So this was this was kind of the setup where Kim and Olivia wouldn't have to come face-to-face, but the kids could say goodbye to their sister-in-law. Kim and Barry waffle back and forth... Mm. On whether, well, should we let him do it? Should we not let him do it? Should we let him do it? Barry and Ethan almost get into a physical fight. Yeah. There is chest puffing and arm swinging and, oh, it is a thing. Finally, Kim and Barry decide, no, they will not let the kids go say goodbye to Olivia. So this is another, I think, a good example of Kim's behavior being really bad. Olivia stayed in the car so that she would not come face to face with Kim and Barry, but it would still give the younger kids an opportunity to see her. and that is that is I think is a pretty good like physical boundary. but Kim just starts marching down the driveway and what she's saying as she's marching down the driveway is I'm going down there, this is my property. you can't tell me not to walk down my own driveway. Yeah. It's really classic boundary smashing. It's also really making this about her and it is there there's just so much to unpack in the th- like three things that Kim says in that scene.
0: Yeah, it's oh, it it's so bad. It's, it is
1: it is really bad and kim is really bullheaded in this scene
0: yeah and there's like a classic theme that you see a lot in this show where olivia will try to put up something well she'll try to put up a boundary or or something and for some reason that will get violated and then people get mad at her and then she is either Mm -hmm. made to look like the bad guy or she like gets mad about it and it then this whole conflict between her and whatever the boundary was it becomes the center of the plot instead of whatever else was going on that was just the thing that they were trying to do.
1: Right. It, it's a cycle, it's a cyclical kind of thing. Yeah. Like Olivia tries to set a reasonable boundary, her reasonable boundary gets completely smashed. She gets mad about it because she's like 22. Yeah. And. Does not have, through no fault of her own, really, doesn't have the emotional maturity to handle this level of narcissistic boundary smashing. And Olivia gets mad. And then sometimes, Olivia acts in ways that are objectively not good. And I think it's fair to criticize. Sometimes, Olivia gets her boundary smashed and doesn't react to that very well. I don't think it's an insult to Olivia to say, oh... You acted badly when your boundary was smashed because it's not, this is not a one person is at fault scenario. This is Olivia tried and then Olivia got her boundary smashed and then Olivia couldn't try anymore and lost it. In a perfect world, Olivia would maybe handle having her boundaries crossed repeatedly a little bit better, but in a perfect world, her boundaries wouldn't get crossed repeatedly. So this is not something that I'm able to see as a one person at fault scenario
0: so I've watched a lot of episodes of this show um do the do the younger kids know why they're not allowed to see their brother anymore do they like if
1: they do we don't see it on camera I'd have to guess that Kim has probably fed them some BS reason about why they're not allowed to see him. Or maybe they're too afraid to ask why they're not allowed to see him.
0: And this is about the season four finale that I just watched. Um, and I'm only bringing this up now because it's not like a major point um, in, in the thing. But like there's a, there's an event that they're wondering uh, whether that like all the family is going to be there. And they're wondering whether uh, yeah. uh, uh, Olivia and her brother Nathan are going to show up. Or And one of the younger kids, I can't remember which one it was. Uh, one of the younger kids is in the car on the way there. And uh, she's like, I don't think Olivia is going to show up. Like they're speculating. like And the and mm. I'm just like, huh, you're like 10. It was like one of the younger daughters. I can't remember which one. And I'm just like, but you know that Olivia doesn't get to show up to stuff or that Olivia has these sorts of conflicts. And it was said in very much a sort of way that I'm like, oh, okay you're blaming her and you have maybe some animosity towards her. You've been told some things about her.
1: Right. Because Kim has no boundaries with her children
0: Ah. Mm.
1: and treats them all like her therapist. (laughs) So to close out this drama at the end of season two, Barry says to Ethan, quote, I hope you enjoy living in bondage. Mm. referring to <laughs> olivia as bondage
0: i watched this clip um and th- this was when uh th- this was like right after uh ethan and um and barry almost like went to fisticuffs uh but like it, 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 this is 100 percent pure uncut unadulterated projecting to me like mm-hmm. how how can you say that to your son when you are married to somebody who will happily break up her own family and disown or not dis but like dishome her own children rather than relinquish control over them
1: that I'm really glad you said that I think that's a really good take
0: i was I was watching this part and I was thinking like while I was watching it I was thinking, this cannot be real this is nuts this is just hmm
1: I just think that my perception is that the family had had very little conflict while all of the children were still children at home, and they have never had conflict with each other before. So now everything is spilling out in a very messy way. That's that's just my perception. The season ends with Kim throwing a weird tea party for her remaining kids at home. Yeah. So now, after all of that drama, we get just a little taste of the, like, this is totally fine kind of Duggar attitude.
0: So a couple things. One, what did you think of the dress that she was wearing at the tea party?
1: I mean, it was ugly. Also, it was not uh, traditionally considered modest.
0: That's my take as well, that I saw that. I'm just like, wait, you're a, you're a, you're a fundy. I thought you guys were all about rules and all about standards and never changing and never. But then again, this is the class. Yeah, this isn't Kim, like the
1: Kim is fundy enough to kick out her underage children, but when she wants to go boobs out for a tea party with her kids, she can suddenly do that.
0: Yeah, the wild thing about the, the like to me, they, they do all of this sh- like off camera. Like, there's a bunch of sh- that was like that happens like off camera. Like you know the um. The I hope you enjoy living in bondage. That line was said off camera. But the scene where they're playing, like where they're all saying, like you could tell they're they're just monsters.
1: Honestly, I think the most interesting thing about this so far has been how unrelated the fundiness is to the monsterness. I feel like if Kim had just been a crunchy mom with no religion, she would not have been one bit less toxic or less controlling. The religion is a helpful tool to enhance her control, but her control issues are completely separate.
0: Yeah. No, I could totally see her being, like, the crunchy anti-vax mom, you know, who's, like, the room parent, but not to help out in the classroom, you know? uh, She's just there to be the room parent so that she can, uh, like— continually police her own children and keep them from playing with or hanging out with the kids that she doesn't think are good enough for them Hmm. like yeah you you see that stuff in public schools like i i you know i remembered that stuff happening in public schools when i was growing up and it was the worst but like after kim is done being a monster and Like driving out her son. She's insistent. She's just like insistent on violating her daughter-in-law's boundaries until Ethan stands up to her and or she's like turning around and crying into her other children's shoulders because like and acting like she's not the one that caused all of this. Like in that clip when they were walking down the driveway, she's Wait. just like, I'm going to walk down this driveway. This is my property. And Ethan is like, the hell you are. And like basically threatens to fight his dad over it. And then Kim turns around and is like, why is everything bad happening to me? And is like crying into the shoulder of her, her younger daughters. And I'm just like, <laughs> Barry's just standing there like, "Huh? well, this is fun just like like Barry
1: (laughs) has so completely given up on everything life is just happening around him at this point yeah we'll definitely hear more on that later
0: look like I mean you could tell though that if he hadn't backed down Ethan absolutely would have put hands on him he absolutely like he you could like you could look at he for sure but it was like, going
1: to He, of course, Barry backed down and it's not because he didn't want to hit his own son. It's because he doesn't really have the energy at this point to hit anybody. Yeah. So I think this is a good place. Let's go ahead and take up the offering. And then when we come back, we will move on to season three.
0: That sounds great.
2: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation. We thought we'd bring our prices down.
1: that group is called Eden Exodus. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your worst enemy. The Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really appreciate your support. Now, back to the show.
0: All right. We are back from our break. We are talking about Welcome to Plathville, the TLC show about the Plath family. We are, are, we've are, we talked about season one and season two. Sadie, what happens in season three?
1: Not so much happens in season three.
0: Did uh, did they film it during the pandemic? Is that what happened? I
1: don't know. This is rural Georgia. I don't think the pandemic happened much after like March or April of 2020 in rural Georgia. Before we get into season three, I forgot to do this at the top of the show, but I have to thank uh, Fundy Friday's YouTube channel. So, thank you so much, Jen and James, for your excellent Plathville coverage. So, uh, in season three, Lydia has met a new guy and she's now texting with a new guy. Kim is fine with Lydia having a boyfriend for some reason, but is not fine with how often she is texting him. Apparently, Lydia and Mystery Man are texting 100 texts a day. Which Kim Hmm. found out about because she forces her 18-year-old to use her cell phone and won't get her her own cell phone. Lydia's not 18. Lydia's, like, 17 at this point. (sighs) So that she can be all up in her text messages. Wow. Wow. I don't know about you. I send a hundred texts a day to any number of people. I I am convinced that there are a hundred texts a day most days in my mom group chat that Dinah put me in. I probably text you a hundred times a day as well. Yeah, like don't you think we probably send each other a hundred texts a day?
0: That's because we talk plenty of days.
1: Literally between that and like sending pictures of Chuck to my mom and my mother-in-law, there have got to be days where I send like 400-500 texts. This is normal for people of our age and Kim feels like she needs to control the number of texts that her teenager can send. Lydia is behaving in an extremely fundy way because how Lydia deals with her mother's need to control how many texts she may send a day to her man friend Lydia decides that how she's going to deal with that is to pray for self-control to text this guy less. Man. Poor Lydia. I feel like Lydia is me as an 18-year-old fundy. I really feel for her.
0: If you're some dude who is texting Lydia from Plathville, do you like do you watch the show or not? That's the question. Hypothetical situation: you meet a girl, you're like 17, 18, 19, or whatever. You're texting her, and you're like and she's like, I'm on a reality TV show. Do you watch the show or do you not watch the show?
1: I have no idea. We don't know anything about this guy that she was texting. But mm. Lydia seems like the type to me to not mention that she's on a show.
0: <laughs> Either that or like he he found out about it and he just refused to sign a release. That so they could, put, yeah. could be it. Yep. Oh, <laughs> also man. very plausible. Yeah.
1: So Micah's story is starting to really pick up in season three. Micah has signed a modeling contract and he is playing the field as a 19 year old model. He's still living with Mariah, which I guess (laughs) is good because literally who else is going to feed Mariah and put a roof over her head? She has no education and no life skills.
0: (sighs) You know, honestly,
1: honestly, I think Mariah is becoming my favorite person.
0: I like Mariah.
1: I, I, I really do. Mariah. Like, I don't... She's... She's... And I hope she's not listening to this. She's kind of cringy sometimes. But in, like, a normal 18, 19-year-old person way. Mariah, yeah. is, Mariah is very immature, but in the normal expected way that an 18-year-old has every right to be. And I just... I really have a soft spot for her. Mariah... Mariah Plath is, like, ginger dugger to me. So... Ethan and Olivia, Mariah is still dating this guy, Max. Ethan and Olivia don't trust him because Kim and Barry like him and allow him to see the family.
0: Okay, Max sucks, though. This is true. Max does suck. As soon as this guy came on screen, I did not like his vibes, okay? He has big Scorpio energy. This guy looks like he wants to sell me NFTs. I f***ing do not trust Max. I do not like Max. He can off.
1: I agree with you. I don't like Max and I'm going to tell you why I really hate him in a few minutes. However, the internet is very divided on whether we hate Olivia or love Olivia.
0: Yes, this is true.
1: And I generally fall on team love Olivia. There are there are a few times that I have to switch teams for a minute and come back. This is one place where I see the point about her being a bit controlling or immature or just not not living up to what i like to see from olivia olivia has every right to hate kim and barry they've been awful to her i think distrusting someone because kim has shown him more favor is over the line i think there are good reasons not to like max i don't think this is i think this is over the line So then again, Olivia is like 21, Mm. 22 in this season, and it makes sense that it's hard for her to see someone else get the favor with Kim that she would like to have. So I'm not saying it's not understandable. I just think it's over the line in an understandable way.
0: I, I am with you on being team mostly love, Olivia. Because I think it, 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 there are many times when she has has engaged in conduct that I that I view as highly questionable, highly questionable. Oh yeah, um, the 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 gravesite thing from from later is we will, is
1: d- we will take that <laughs> apart into every possible piece.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, that that was a highly questionable Olivia moment. I'm not going to to deny that. That being said, I think that she is the only thing that is close to a functioning adult on this entire tv show she as far as not trusting somebody that kim and barry like so my take is that that can't be the main reason but Mm. if like if somebody comes into your life and they're like oh kim and barry like this guy then sudden then that is immediately going to put up a bit of a red flag for me. That doesn't mean that this guy's automatically bad, but that means maybe I take a second look at him. And if you take, actually, if you take a first look at Max, he is not a cool dude and he sucks and he's terrible and he doesn't treat Mariah very well at all. And he just, he's got to go to begin with. I do not one bit fault Olivia for not liking Max. Max sucks. This is not.
1: I I agree that Max sucks. I think Olivia is... How do I explain this? I think that she is missing some finer points of how the Plath family functions. I think Olivia has never... Olivia has clearly, like, therapized herself and probably been to real therapy. I don't know if that's ever shown on the show. Um, and Olivia has done a lot of therapy-adjacent work on and for and with her husband as well. I don't think Olivia has applied those concepts to the Plath family I don't think she's really studied or looked into how dysfunctional families tend to work because I think if she had she would realize that Kim and Barry are not showing favor to Max because they like her they like him more than they like Olivia. I think if she studied into this a little bit more she would realize that this is all kind of part of Kim's manipulation and that it is not a reflection on Max positive or negative. It's just it's just another thing that Kim is doing to get to people and to play her cards
0: counterpoint i think that kim and barry are the type of people who would like max specifically because he displayed controlling tendencies
1: i don't know if i agree with it but i appreciate your take
0: because like in a later episode when they're at the um when in the pole dancing in season four and the pole dancing part in season four Mariah says that she was that the relationship that she was already that she was in previously, which I assume was with Max is uh, who she was talking about, is that she was talking about how he was controlling. And that kind of set off an alarm bell for me. I was just like, oh, okay, well, maybe that's why Kim and Barry liked him was because they they saw aspects of him and aspects of how he acted with her that were similar to the ways that they acted with.
1: So maybe they kind of thought that he would keep her in line. Right. Hmm.
0: I don't know. As soon as Max came on stream, I, I like sometimes you just get a, a feeling for certain people. You're just like, oh, f- this guy, and I got that with Max. So maybe and, and maybe that's just prejudice because I saw him and I didn't like him, and I thought that he looked like a keto NFT bro. But that that's just me.
1: I'll give I'll give you more on my t- more on my take on Max later.
0: Okay, I, I also think maybe this is this is also cultural with, with Olivia. Regards to Olivia, um, different people have different ideas about how much power they're okay they're okay with seeing women have over or like in their household. And I've been watching a lot of this show. Granted, there have been plenty of instances where Olivia has done things that are extremely like questionable and not great, but I haven't seen her be as particularly awful as kim is on a regular basis Mm -hmm. and sometimes like sometimes if you're dealing with psychos you have to be awful to keep them away from you
1: yeah that's true but it's not going to make you look good on reality tv yeah i i think my my take on season three olivia is that she just lacks finesse she's not Doing the wrong things most of the time, but she overreacts or underreacts because she doesn't quite have the life experience to get it right. It's like, okay, like when you first start learning to cook and you never get the salt quite right. It's either a little bit too salty or not quite salty enough. And you, you need more experience to get it just right.
0: That's a good analogy. I like that. I think, I, mean,
1: I think that's like season three, Olivia.
0: Yeah. And also, like, sometimes out of the gate, you like, you have to let somebody know, I don't like you, I don't trust you, I don't respect you, I don't want anything to do with you, don't expect anything from me because you won't get it. Like, some, like sometimes there's some people that you just have to say that to, and they have to learn to live with it, and just let them know, I'm not going to pretend to like you or pretend to be nice with you just because there's other people around, I'm just not going to engage with you at all. You know what I'm saying? Like, some, sometimes you just have to do that.
1: I don't do that but sometimes i think it would be good if i did yeah yeah i I am not assertive enough to start out with somebody that way if i had been i would not have struggled so much uh when my when i had terrible bosses in the past like if i had just gone with my gut and done that from the beginning i probably would have saved myself a lot of heartache
0: yeah. Also, though, if you're uh, if you're a man, that's more acceptable to do than if you're a woman. If you're a woman and you mm, do that, bingo. they're oh, she's a she's a bitch. Yep. She's the worst. Mm-hmm. I I hate her. She's so cunning. She's so uh, conniving. Yep. Yeah. yep. Because um, women
1: are expected to perform false positivity and this like niceness, especially like especially in America. That's like, that's a huge or with Western culture, I guess in general, it's a huge thing.
0: Especially if you're out here on the West Coast where we are. Yep. Or, you know, a lot of people are kind of fake nice out here.
1: And there's just like there's no good option because it's you can either perform this societally accepted fake nice or you can get labeled a bitch and lose opportunities because of it.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I, like I from what I've seen, I like there. there's definitely a few when I look at Olivia's relationship with Mariah. Uh there's some it, like there's a couple of issues there there's a, like there's push and pull neither of them have the level of maturity to have the most healthy friendship in the world even though they are very close and they do clearly love each other I've seen people go so far as to armchair diagnose Olivia as being a narcissist and I think I I really I I I think that's a bit over the line for me so and there's a couple of reasons why that um at least, if, if you don't mind, I'd like to elaborate.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: First of all, it's reality TV. So they can make whatever they want to happen seem like it's happening. You know what I'm saying? So they can go right. in and they can yeah, they can look at a bunch of footage and they can try to piece together whatever story they want from it. Um, so maybe they decide that Kim is not really in the picture with Ethan. Kim and Ethan are not having any contact. We have to have there be conflict or otherwise, you know, there is no show. So they have to make olivia into the villain somehow olivia is doing this olivia is doing that olivia is making xyz thing all about her and then everybody will watch it and be like oh olivia she's a raging bitch she made this thing all about her and she spoiled uh mariah's special day or something like it and, and because like they got to deliver the content so that's one thing and that's just the nature of reality tv and if we're watching this and pretending that it's like going to be completely factual on its face that's
1: Right. I mean, because that's what you get. reality TV needs a villain. And Kim and Olivia are both very strong personalities, regardless of which one you believe is the villain in this particular moment. And unfortunately, that kind of leaves Mariah as a pawn. In a couple situations, but especially the one I think you were just referencing. Yeah, and
0: it's also rough because it's acting like Mariah doesn't have any agency in her decisions that she makes. And I guess as the show goes on, she starts to exercise more agency. But
1: well, yeah, Mariah early in the show probably had no idea how to have agency. So she got pushed into this role of being the pawn in somebody else's game because Mariah is still learning that she can be the person playing the game.
0: Yeah, she's she's uh was made into a bit of a Sansa. The other thing is Olivia's is twenty-four currently. She right now she is twenty-four years old. Mariah is nineteen, right? Or she's like nineteen or twenty.
1: I think Mariah just turned twenty in real time in twenty twenty two.
0: Yeah. They're they're both raised in fundamentalism with the Bible being the only acceptable way to process your emotions and feelings. As far as emotional maturity goes, they are legal adults, but they're kids. I think I I believe probably from the things that she says, it looks to me like Olivia's probably had some therapy, some like actual therapy, but they're kids and it can lead people often to form codependent relationships with each other, blow up at each other over stuff that really shouldn't be as big a deal. It happens in friendships. And sometimes like you work through it and you get more healthy. And sometimes maybe you have to stop being friends for a bit. And then you come back and, and say, okay, well this is what happened. Maybe we got to avoid our old patterns. And sometimes you just stop being friends. Like it happens. This, this is something that happens with people as they grow up and it's, rough but it isn't the end of the world and you live and you learn i don't think she's perfect olivia uh, speaking but i i really do think that people go way too hard after her on a lot of the snark pages that's just my take on this
1: i i generally agree with that take i just don't want the fact that people go too hard on her to exempt her from all criticism because Olivia is old enough for fair criticism.
0: That's true. She and she has uh, processed and she's deconstructed enough that, you know, she is, I think, much more responsible for the things that she does and says than many other characters on this show.
1: Right. It's just, you know, when I hold Olivia's feet to the fire, like I'm certainly going to do when we talk about the end of season four, like, holy shit. Um, When I hold her feet to the fire, I am hoping like my intention is to want her to continue to get better. Yeah. When I like when I hold Kim's feet to the fire, it's to talk about how much I dislike her. <laughs> because I don't have a lot of faith in her getting better. Like I would love if she did, but I don't have a lot of faith or hope for that. When yeah. I when I criticize Olivia strongly, it's more with the intention of uh you can do better and I really think you can keep growing and not get stuck in this particular place where you are
0: yeah i mean she's up quite a bit but you know she's not she's not like a lost cause or anything yeah. and people just really just i mean they the things that they say about they say things about olivia uh that they would be saying about kim and i, I really
1: think the it. best thing for olivia is not being on reality tv
0: i mean how would you feel if you were on reality tv during your deconstruction like during i don't early want to be English? on reality
1: tv now
0: <laughs> no i do
1: not need that
0: actually i would be great on reality tv
1: you would be I excellent, did, but... I, I applied
0: to be on The Bachelorette. That's true. Why am I saying I don't want to be on reality TV? I, I do want to be on reality TV. ABC cast me on The Bachelorette.
1: But that's like... If you're on The Bachelorette, you're filming for like 10, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, and then it's done. That's very different from filming indefinitely.
0: Unless they invite me for Bachelor in Paradise.
1: That's true. You still get a break, though. So... um uh, so there are in season three, Olivia and Ethan do a trial separation, but end up getting back together. Kind of a half ass separation, if you ask me. There are more shenanigans around new experiences like Olivia getting a belly button piercing. It kind of seems like whenever the show doesn't have enough content, they just make somebody go do something new and shocking and unfundy, which is how we get the pole dancing thing later on in season four. But it's entertaining, so I can't really blame them. It is kind of fun.
0: And that's kind of what you want to see if you're looking at deconstruction content. You want to see people going through like That's why we're doing these how-to episodes as right. we're trying to, to to shepherd people through these decisions.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of fun. Um, Ethan has some very like, Ethan's reaction to the belly button piercing is right back to like five year old emotional maturity. Ethan,
0: it's so wholesome though.
1: Yeah, it's very. It's it's just like, oh, you're kind of still a kid, oh buddy. Yeah, I really hope you get into your twenties sometime soon.
0: <laughs> Once again, the Game of Thrones comp with Tommen and Marjorie.
1: <laughs> so here's oh, here's um in season three we finally got to the part why the reason why I hate Max. So, Max slut-shames Mariah for her clothing, which Boo. is supremely shit. uh Mariah does dress in a very revealing manner after getting loose of Kim, but it's not out of line for what any other 18 or 19-year-old girl wears. And it's clearly a reaction to how she was raised, and it's not hurting anyone. So, shut up, Max
0: i've said this before i will say it again many times max is complete trash he is the worst uh i feel like he's gonna try to get me to join his pyramid scheme or he's gonna try to talk to me about real estate investing and he's going uh, max strikes me as the kind of guy who listens to like jordan peterson while he sleeps he's (laughs) no like in the because like i said in the pole dancing um part in season four like this is after they're broken up spoiler alert uh they break up uh how sad nobody said ever um no mariah talks about how the relationship that she got out of was in controlling and max is the guy who's being in controlling so max he sucks and he should not be uh saying such mean things to his girlfriend about how she's dressed that's really just quite poor form for him and he sucks and uh he did not come out of this looking good
1: So this is a trigger warning for slut shaming and clothing shaming for all the ex-fundies. Max said something to the effect of why advertise something that's not for sale, which was triggering as hell for me and probably all the other ex-fundies out there.
0: Since I actually, I personally, like what I went to school for was marketing adjacent. I can confidently say that there are plenty of reasons why you would want to advertise something that is not for sale. In fact, oftentimes it's better to advertise something that is not for sale than to advertise something that is for sale. And in fact, when you have something that is for sale, it is something that people want. Often you don't even have to advertise it. And if you do advertise, you are devaluing your brand by essentially begging people to come and buy it.
1: Interesting.
0: You know, Ferrari, they make cars, very fast cars. I'm aware. Yeah. Uh, they're, They're, you know, I've heard of them. Have you ever seen an ad for Ferrari anywhere?
1: Okay, now that you mention it, no.
0: No, you've never seen a commercial no Ferrari does not advertise. They make race cars, they go racing with their cars and then they use that as the marketing to sell their road cars. Like that's that's what they do. You never see a commercial for them. On the other hand, you have a product like Rolex. Which is another luxury product, which is often difficult to get your hands on if you want to buy one because so many the demand is so high. So they advertise the sh- out of it so that they can basically say, "Hey, look at this product. You can't have it." Hmm. You, and and so that drives up the value of the brand and that drives up the value. Uh, for the customers who are who are buying it because you buy it and then it holds its value because more people can't have it and you advertise it so people keep wanting it, but they can't have it.
1: So that is See, very interesting. And, it's
0: counterintuitive.
1: Well, that's, that's a very interesting thing to learn, but I would like to point out that unlike a car or a watch, a person's body is not a commodity.
0: Hard agree.
1: And that Mariah's body is, Cannot be sold uh, because that is uh, horribly unethical and illegal. And that even sex workers do not sell their body, they sell their time just the same as anybody else who works for Amazon or a car manufacturer or in sales or whatever. And that Mariah is not a sex worker, she is just a person who is wholly and completely irrevocably in possession of her own body, which is not a thing. It is the shell for a person called Mariah who is a really nice person so so like i i do i'm not trying to come down on you because like learning about advertising and having that little rabbit trail is actually very interesting i sorry i was just thinking about what max said while you were saying the thing about advertising and yeah. mariah's body is not a thing to be advertised it is the holding container for her soul and cannot be for sale because it irrevocably irrevocably belongs to mariah
0: yeah Max sucks. We hate him. That's the point of this. He's wrong about everything.
1: (laughs) So to sum it up before we go into the season three finale, uh, Max sucks. Sex workers sell their time, not their bodies. Mariah belongs to Mariah. Max sucks. Did we get it?
0: Yeah, okay. and Max doesn't understand marketing or advertising, which is weird considering that he's a dude who strikes me as the like the kind of guy who reads Dave Ramsey nonstop and quotes <laughs> like and, and quotes rich dad poor dad at people and thinks he's a <laughs> genius about business and like that's the vibe I get from this dude is that like
1: this it, is fair it,
0: it, like this dude it, he he feels like he's just like basic keto NFT bro that. Uh, that that took like one marketing class in college before he dropped out because he was like a I, I don't know. He was he was like a, 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 a keg stand backyard bro. Uh, this guy, he sucks. He and he treats the woman who he claims to care about and is dating at the time quite poorly and says demeaning things to her and bad things to her that negatively affect her self-esteem, which are really mean and you shouldn't do and max sucks and we hate him
1: yep this uh, i don't know this is just what happens when you see women and afab people as collections of body parts and not people
0: yeah okay. <laughs> max should go back and uh purge his brain of everything he's ever heard on the joe rogan experience or like max is the kind of guy who i feel like you would see as like a, a tiktok finance influencer <laughs> do you ever get the, do you ever get those uh, or I get the the ads for them as like Instagram Reels because I see everything on Instagram like 3 weeks after it was already on TikTok. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like I that's what I see on Instagram Reels because they figure you're a man and you're interested in cars and watches, therefore you must be interested in being a finance douche and you, you like, you always see some dude being like, I bought my first house at 22 and now I'm a millionaire. Like th- that's like the type of dude that max is to me. He's, he just seems like a douche bag. That's like, I have a 30 step system to get you where I am financially. And with your financial independence and multiple streams of off. Okay. Max,
1: the big season <laughs> and arc for season three is that Mariah has a gig booked to sing at, like a cafe not far not too far from the community where they live and kim says that she wants to come to mariah's concert small problem olivia is mariah's keyboard player and olivia doesn't want to see kim so olivia says that she will play keyboard for mariah's concert if kim and barry don't show up Which, okay, fine. She set a boundary. I'm not sure if I think this boundary is reasonable. I I would think a more reasonable boundary would be she'll play keyboard if she doesn't have to speak to Kim and Barry. It seems like a lot to ask them not to be in the same room, but Olivia is allowed to set her boundaries, regardless of what I think of them. Mariah relays to her parents, please don't show up. And Kim shows up anyway.
0: Of course she does. That's, uh, like, extremely on brand. I don't, like... I don't get it. I like if I was Mariah, I don't know if I like granted, I've never been through anything that she's been through, but also the fact that they like, I'm thinking about like coming from Olivia's perspective. You don't just hate Kim and Barry because of what they've, how they've treated you. Mm. you hate Kim and Barry because they also like Mariah is Olivia's best friend because they also sent their 17 year old daughter out on her own with zero life experience and just put her out into the world because they thought she was too rebellious. Like that's like, mm. and maybe like Mariah can forgive her parents for doing that because she's younger, but maybe Olivia has some distance from that and is like, no, that's too fucked up for me to, to stand.
1: I, yeah, i i can i can see it. i I understand why Mariah does not want to be in the same room with these people. Um, I don't feel that Mariah fully grasps that she is still in a family with these people. So I really, I see both sides. I really do. I really do.
0: Yeah, as much as Olivia, it is Olivia's uh, uh, opinion, and I think an extremely valid one that she doesn't want to have to deal with these people at all it's also like not her call on this one i think
1: right this seems like it should be more of mariah's call and then i don't i don't know but i don't know if mariah can find another keyboard player although ethan plays piano so i would think that he, that she could anyway um i feel like this is a classic example of kim making it all about her though when she shows up because Mariah and Olivia were under, were of the opinion that this was set in stone. That Kim was not going to show up. It's Mariah's first solo concert. And remember early at the beginning of this episode, I was talking about Kim like being backhandedly supportive. Uh, of when the she, music thing, yeah. or Or when she took Mariah to the college campus. Kim acts like she is being a saint like she's being super supportive this is your first concert that's a big deal for you but actually the whole entire plot line is about whether kim will get to witness mariah's first concert and she boundary smash smashes and centers herself all the way to causing a huge ruckus at mariah's first concert so she she made out like it was going to be all about mariah's performance but actually it was about kim
0: here's a question for you yes yes what do you think of Mariah's music?
1: It's really just not my style. Have you looked it up? Do you have opinions?
0: Yeah, I, I I looked it up. She's uh she's making music um under Mariah Jasper.
1: Yeah, Jasper is her middle name and it says a lot that she is not using her last name for music.
0: Yeah, you'd think that you put plath on something and that's gonna get you um a lot a lot more buzz no we heard mariah sing and i I put a clip of the plathville of the plath family band in the first episode and that was mariah singing the leads on that one and so you you, like you can tell from listening to that she's good at singing she's she's a good singer i looked up um let's see i i i looked up a couple songs but she's got like two songs out um they're both on streaming services if you want to look them up one of them is called missed myself i think it's interesting do you want me to put a clip in here
1: yeah, can you do a short little clip for our listeners who maybe haven't heard her music?
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'll, I'll put in like a 15 second clip. I think I can do that without getting
2: like
1: copyright infringement. Uh. I shut myself in my room,
2: try to stop thinking, try to drown you out of my brain, then I start dreaming.
0: From listening to that, my opinion, I don't think that she is a bad singer. I don't think she's a bad songwriter. I think the weakest part of the song is that the instrumental of the song sounds a bit demo y. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It definitely does.
0: Like with the, it's like synth drums and e piano and. The vocals I can tell are like extremely like country inspired and like bluegrass inspired, which is, you know, makes sense because like we heard singing the, the, we heard her singing the Plath family band. Uh, we heard her last week. Like the vocals are country inspired. And I think it's just like a stylistic difference between what the vocals are doing and what the, the, the instrumental track is doing. I don't know. That it just, it's just my opinion. Who is it? Who am I to tell somebody what music they should and shouldn't be making? Because I don't think I'm her target audience really anyway. Um, Hmm. Yeah.
1: What do you think about her, like, vocal, vocally?
0: Vocally? I think she's like, I, I know that she is good at singing. Like, she's technically good at singing because of what we heard. What I think about the vocals in this song is in my personal, this is just my personal preference, not anything about, you know, whether she's good or not. I, I would like to hear her using less. Like you can tell it's very like melodyned and she uses a lot of auto-tune to flatten out any vibrato that's in her voice. And that's a thing that's really in style right now, and a lot of pop singers like every pop singer is doing that. I don't know if I really like that style, but that's what she's doing.
1: I so I saw mariah in a short film that she acted in and this was discussed heavily on the the fundy fridays plath videos so if you watch those you'll also get this i just think her acting talent is maybe better than her vocal talent and i think maybe her modeling talent is better than her vocal talent
0: interesting because I, I rate her as a singer. I think she's solid. She's She's yeah. got a good voice.
1: I'm not, you know? I'm not saying she's awful. Um, I just... I see her kind of the way I see Selena Gomez. She's hmm. a good singer. I just think she's a much better actor than she is singer.
0: A of all, Selena Gomez, great singer. No slander on Selena, Selena Gomez. I think she's very talented. But second, I'm... So I'm trying to find the liner notes here to figure out who produced the song. And I think that's like a missing link. I think if she had like a really good producer behind her and ha- had like the mix done really well, uh, then I think hmm. the song is decent. I Like, I don't know if she self-produced it, if she might have self-produced it, because, you know, I know that or, you know, she I might have had
1: her recording company sent her equipment to record it at home.
0: Oh, Okay, well I guess if this was done uh during the pandemic then that would make sense because that's the sort of thing that that you end up with if you're maybe not as experienced at producing your own music because re- writing and 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 recording your own music is one thing but producing your own music and also recording your music is something else and that's kind mm. of a a different and that that's a like a huge and undertaking. I've tried to do it. It's very difficult, which is why, if you listen to any of the music that I release, all of the instrumentals are really, I try to keep them as simple as possible because I'm just not a great producer. I think the mix on the songs may be a little bit off. And I think to make the harmonies like, slot in properly and link up properly they've maybe gone a little overboard with uh the melodyne which is really it's a really easy mistake to make especially if you're producing yourself which i assume she is because if you're comping vocals and editing vocals to try to make them sound perfect like, it's really easy to go a little overboard on that because you want to sound perfect. Like, every time you listen to yourself speaking or you listen to yourself singing, you're going to hear something that you don't like that other people are just mm-hmm. used to hearing. And I think that's just your voice. Um, she came out with another song this year called Weakness. Yeah. I think Weakness is a better song than Missed Myself. I think the vocal production is, uh, a bit more obvious. So that it's been melodon. Anyway, she's Mariah is trying to do the influencer you know tiktok youtube actor thing i don't see any reason why she couldn't make that work for her i think she's talented i think that she's got like every she's got as much chance as anybody else to to be successful at doing that um especially because you know she's got uh she's a little bit uh reality tv famous so she could spin that into something yeah, more i really successful.
1: yeah i respect that she is trying to use her fame in a in a really constructive and positive manner to make something for herself yeah um,
0: nothing wrong with doing that nothing wrong with going from being a reality tv star to being a successful musician or a successful actor Or su- like nothing wrong with doing that whatsoever if you make it work if you can make money off of it, do and it. yeah and
1: if you have if you have the ability to do that thing Especially, yeah. I I really respect that Mariah doesn't just want to be a reality star, because I feel like she could make money on that, but she wants to push into actually following her passions. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, I think she's got a lot of room for growth, and I mean that in a very positive way.
0: Like high ceiling.
1: Yeah, I think there are a lot of good places she could go with this.
0: Yeah, she's a talented singer. We know she's a talented singer. We heard her sing. She's great.
1: It's nice to hear you say that because some people on the internet think she's really bad, and you no. definitely know more about singing than they, than they do. So I'm glad to hear you say that.
0: people on the internet say everybody's bad if they don't like them. You know what? Like that's yeah. just like.
1: Well, you know, some of the internet hates Kim. Some of the internet hates Olivia. We're gonna get into that. But before Kim. all of that happened, we got to go back to um, Mariah's concert. So Kim crashed the concert, it upset Olivia, and Ethan once again had to stand up to his mom in his wife's defense with very limited tools and very limited emotional capacity to do so. There was a very reality TV, like, almost fight in the parking lot. I do love that this show feels more like reality TV than 19 kids and counting ever did.
0: Yeah. This show feels like uh, there's some moments on this where I'm just like, Oh, is somebody getting, I guess they don't really do wine or the fun uh, Kim and, and Barry don't do wine. So nobody's going to get a glass of wine thrown on them. Uh, like a real housewives show. But
1: <laughs> yeah. So l- let's get on to season four because that's when like
0: season four gets is like f- so nuts.
1: reality TV.
0: Oh, my God. Season four. Is I,
1: ca- cool. I, I have to love it. it. It is. It is like real reality TV. And the, I never watched this show because I didn't think that would ever happen. But it totally did.
0: No, this is this is cool. This This show is nuts. The, like season four is so much like everything happens. Every ep- Not every episode is a banger, but a lot of episodes are bangers. Hey, listeners, this is where our recap of Plathville Seasons 1 through 3 ends. We hope you enjoyed this, and we hope you'll tune in on Wednesday to hear our recap of Season 4, including Sadie's live reaction to the events of the Season 4 finale. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast to make sure you don't miss it. You can follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Leaving Eden Podcast, on Twitter at Leaving Eden Pod, And you can follow Sadie at Sadie Carpenter Music on Instagram. Hell yeah, Sadie on Twitter and Sadie Carpenter One on TikTok. You can follow me at G-A-V-R-I-E-L-H-A-C-O-H-E-N on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And I hope that you guys have a great day. Bye bye.